Hey there, future fans! This week, we're on a quest to get our mom some help, we're on a quest to avenge our master, and we're on a quest to remember before we forget. This is the week of May 7th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 201 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show that's right we're right back at it after episode 200 evil doesn't rest and neither do i but remember this episode is the first time since covid started that we are returning to the way things were last episode was kind of a return but you know we had to talk about podcast stuff we had to talk about 200 episodes of podcasting we had to listen to those wonderful words from my good friends thank you everyone for that And thank you for everyone who sent me congratulations. Brian Q, Holly, thank you. And for some of you, this episode may be the first episode of the original style of Future Flicks with Billiam you have ever heard. Because if you're lucky, you never went back to listen to the older episodes. I've said this so many times, and I I will continue to say it, that I have gotten better and better with with each episode. Uh, Brian Q even reminded me that... He actually gave a critique. He had he has been listening since episode one. He gave a critique to Snarf Chris, who passed it on to me, about my super announcer voice. I still kind of have that, but this is more of my natural one, the one that I use on the phone at work when I'm talking. But ah, memories, <laughs> remembering how things used to be. Well, my future friends, if you if you have uh, not been around the block for a while with me, if you are even new, welcome. And let me tell you what it is we do here on Future Flicks with Billiam. We talk about flicks from the future. That's right. I have a time machine and this is how I choose to use it. That is actually incorrect. On this show, we love movies. We love movies so much because they are a constant source of entertainment. And the show starts out with some ramblings like you already heard. Then we jump into the movie news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Movie trailers. Same thing, any trailers I've caught my eye since the last episode. I am not perfect. If I miss something, you'd like me to talk about it, just let me know, and I will talk about it on the next episode. Or, like in most cases, I'll tell you, oh, hey, that came out after I recorded, or I was too lazy to go back and add it in, and I'll talk about it next week. After that, we jump into the movies, which are broken up into two, count them, two categories, the limited releases, and the wide releases and interesting indies. The limited release section is all the movies that are getting a limited release, but also don't look too interesting to me, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. The wide releases and interesting indies are exactly what it sounds like. Every wide release, no matter how good or bad I think it is, and those indie movies that make me go, hmm, that looks interesting. In the old form of the show, I used to put the movies I also really hated based on the trailer, in that segment because I I could go on an angry rant about it. I thought it was funny. Turns out maybe I was wrong, and I don't try and do that now. I still go on rants once in a while, but 
uh, the show I try to make a lot more positive. Oh yes, and all that stuff about the trailers, I have never seen any of these movies. I am not some Hollywood bigwig. I don't see movies before they come out. I see them the same time you do, sometimes even later, because I am lazy. (laughs) And uh, all of my thoughts are based only on the trailers. And in the wide releases and interesting indie segment, I give you a score, which I call the, are you ready for it? Jazz hands, billions, interest level score. And we always sing that song and I don't know why. And that can go anywhere from a zero for those awful films. Like Meet the Feebles. That's right. That's a throwback, isn't it? To an 11. And let's face it, this is really just a 1 to 10 uh, scale with a special award for those films that turn it up that extra notch. We then have a pick of the week, which is the movie that I go, hey, you, if you see any movie this week, it should be this because it looks the most interesting. And sometimes it's because it's the biggest, fanciest blockbuster, or sometimes it's because it looks like a, a quality film. And those two aren't mutually exclusive. We can have quality blockbusters. It does happen. If the sound is starting to sound a little weird, uh, I'm starting to tinker with stuff. I had to change my setup for when my wife and I started our new podcast, Super Dove Reads, available right now on SoundCloud and Spotify. But it is going to hit all of the uh, other podcast services later. When later? I don't know. I'm leaving this all in my wife's hands, my wife's beautiful and trustworthy hands. So check that out right now, Spotify and SoundCloud. But I had to move my whole setup around, and I'm not sure if I ever got it back correctly, <laughs> if uh, if that makes sense. So um, I apologize if the audio is a little weird here. But a little bit about me, uh, really quick. Uh, Billiam SWN on Twitter, Billiam SWN on Instagram. I have a Bookstagram account at Reading Rainbill. I do have a letterbox, so if you're on Letterboxd, I am Billiam Somewhat Nerdy there as well. And hey, add me and then let you let me know you added me uh, and I'll follow you back because that's always fun. I'm on Likewise as well, though I haven't been on it in a while, but I will try and get better at it. Likewise, I think it's Billiam Somewhat Nerdy as well. Let's see. Actually, for some reason there, I'm at Billiam underscore Cass. Uh, We'll see if we can change that. But right now, uh, Billiam underscore Cass, C-A-S-S. So yes, follow me in these places. And hey, if you follow me there, let me know. I'll follow you back. But my future friends, let us jump into our first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Yeah, we got a lot of Marvel news recently. Marvel has released a whole bunch of new shit. We got a first look at the Eternals, which we'll talk about in the trailer trove. We now know the name of the new Black Panther movie, which is going to be called Wakanda Forever. And we'll deal more about Wakanda and the loss of Chadwick Boseman. We know that between now and through 2023, 10 big movies will be coming out from Marvel, including titles like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We know that Black Panther Wakanda Forever is expected to hit theaters July 8th, 2022. Captain Marvel 2 is now called The Marvels because we now know that Monica Rambeau and Miss Marvel will be part of it. So yes, more Monica Rambeau, who was dope in WandaVision, and Miss Marvel, who we're going to be seeing in the upcoming TV show. That will be later 2020, nope, November 11th, 2022. And the Miss Marvel 
TV show on Disney Plus is set to release 2021. We got more visuals from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings out September 3rd. Black Widow, July 9th. And Black Widow will actually be hitting theaters. It may still be coming out on Disney Plus Early Access, but if it's actually coming out in theaters, I know for a fact I would feel 100% safe since I'm vaccinated and my wife will be vaccinated by that time to go to a theater because guess what? Just be safe. Don't be stupid. Wear your mask. Because like I said during the whole COVID show, I wear my mask all day at work, except for when I eat. I wear my mask all day for an eight hour work shift. All y'all could wear it for like two hours for a movie. And if you have some sort of health reason that you can't wear a mask, you know what's worse than wearing a mask is COVID. So even though things are getting better, don't be dumb. All right, my friends, this next story comes to us from IndieWire. Apparently Pixar staff has been speaking out against their films going straight to streaming, saying things like, quote, it's hard to grasp. One staffer said, quote, doesn't make it lesser meaning these movies going straight to streaming, uh, it's hard to grasp. We don't want to just be a title on Disney+. Plus. Another staffer says, these movies are crafted for the big screen. We want you to watch these movies with no distractions, no looking at your phone. Looks like there are other concerns for this as well. Going, if these movies aren't having $1 billion runs in theaters, does that hurt the company? You wonder that. And a lot of people apparently at Pixar are worried about keeping their jobs if their films aren't financially successful. Well, hopefully Luca will be the last movie to be released on streaming by Pixar. Hopefully the next one will be in theaters. Hell, if things start going better, what is Luca's release date? Let's see if I can find this out. Uh, we can find this out with our good friends at IMDb. Luca, not Luva, close, Luca. <laughs> That's the Wish version of Luca. Luca, release date June 18th. Look, it could still get a theater run. It's possible. With more and more people getting vaccinated and theaters starting to open up and there's a big push to go back into theaters, either Luca's going to be the last movie from Pixar that goes straight to streaming or it will hit theaters, but only time will tell. This next story, again, is about Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. This coming from Sci-Fi Wire. Lupita Nyong'o has spoken out about it, and she says the rewrite of this movie, of course, they had to rewrite it after Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away. She says this rewrite is spiritually and emotionally correct. The rewrites on the script were done by director, writer-director Ryan Coogler, who we thank for the first Black Panther movie. He says the rewrites would further the mythology and the inspiration of Wakanda, Lupita Nyong'o, who played Nakia in the first Black Panther, and who was returning for the sequel, shed some additional light. She said, and I quote, People will ask me, are you excited to go back? Excitement isn't the word. I feel like I'm in a very pensive and meditative state when it comes to Black Panther 2. His passing, referring to Chadwick Boseman, is still extremely raw for me, and I can't even begin to imagine what it will be like to step onto that set not having him there. She then goes on to say that she believes... Ryan Coogler's rewrite pays homage to Bozeman and T'Challa, and apparently the way that he reshaped the second movie is so respectful of the loss we've all experienced as a cast and as a world. So it feels spiritually and emotionally correct to do this, and hopefully what I do look forward to is getting back together and honoring what he started with us and holding his light through it, because he left us a lot of light that we're still going to be bathing in. I know that for sure. These tears brought to you by Lupita Nyong'o's words. 
Uh, my future friends, this next story isn't really news, just um, kind of what the f***. <laughs> um, this is from Games Radar. Let me read this, this title verbatim so you know exactly what it says. The Far Side almost got a live action movie and there are pictures. Yes, The Far Side, the Gary Larson comic, the famed Gary Larson comic, almost got a live action movie. And I'm looking at the picture right here and it's one of the most terrifying things I have ever seen. Uh, you can Google it. It's it's right there to see. It was also... Um, the picture was also shared by Dirk Blocker, which is a fantastically fake name, but you know, he's uh he plays Hitchcock or Scully, either Hitchcock or Scully in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he was going to be in that film. Uh, Yeah, that's that's my nightmares right there. In this story from NME, Michael B. Jordan is responding to rumors that he is going to be in the Superman reboot playing Superman, directed by J.J. Abrams, to which he says... Okay, where's his exact words? His exact words are, you hear the whispers and the rumors and stuff like that, and it's just a compliment. You know, I appreciate people that think about me in that type of way for these roles. I don't really have anything more to give on that other than it's just flattering and I appreciate it. But you know, whoever they get, or if it goes that way, I think it'll be interesting to see. And before anyone says it, yes, there have been black supermen. There have, so calm down. And, you know, I used to be one of these people who were iffy on changing the race of a character in any way, not from like, not just from from white to non-white, but non-white to white, even though that really doesn't happen a lot unless you're the Avatar movie. But I, I now realize in my older, wiser years that it doesn't matter unless the person's race or ethnicity or color is somehow directly tied to their story. It doesn't matter black superman black batman asian superman asian batman nicholas cage playing superman because y'all remember that was a thing right it doesn't matter would michael b jordan be great be great eh. yes he would i love michael b jordan i think he's really good but so far it's not him but let's talk about henry cavill news because henry cavill has talked about all of the going back and forth with playing superman he basically just came out and said it's been frustrating which I agree because we hear he got fired or not fired, that just they're going to go a different way. Then we hear that he is going to play Superman. Then we hear he's not, then he is, and he's not, then he is. According to Giant Freaking Robot, we know that Henry Cavill is in talks with Marvel to, to play an iconic superhero. This superhero? Actually, it's two roles. He's in talks to play either Captain Britain or Hercules. Fun fact, though. We know that Hercules is a son of Zeus. Zeus in this film is being played by Russell Crowe. We know for a fact that Henry Cavill has at one time played Superman. We know that Superman's dad is Jor-El. We know that Jor-El was played by Russell Crowe. They are true father and son. It's now canon. And I just brought up Thor Love and Thunder to, to make sure I did get that whole Russell Crowe thing right before I put my foot in my mouth. And this cast is looking is looking pretty good. So we know that Thor is going to be in it. We know Chris Hemsworth is going to be there. We know that Natalie Portman is going to be playing Jane Foster, a.k.a. the Mighty Thor. We know that Star-Lord and Nebula are going to be in it. Chris Pratt and Karen Gillan. We know Taika Waititi is coming back as Korg. We know Christian Bale is playing Gore the God Butcher. We know that Melissa McCarthy 
is going to be an actress playing Hela. We know that Matt Damon will be playing an actor who plays Loki. We know that Sam Neill is an actor playing Odin and Luke, Luke Hemsworth is an actor playing Thor. If that is confusing at all to you, just remember that in Thor Ragnarok, Matt Damon was an actor playing Loki in a play being put on for Loki, who was Odin at the time. Confused? Yeah. This next story comes to us from the Daily Dot. Apparently, apparently, Marvel president Kevin Feige has come under fire. Well, not under fire, just being ridiculed for saying something pretty dumb. We know that The Eternals is being directed by now Academy Award winning director Chloe Zhao. And when talking about The Eternals, he apparently was blown away that Chloe Zhao was filming on location instead of using CGI. And that was a praise he gave of the movie at the time. And now people are going, have you ever seen another movie that wasn't CGI? Do you even watch movies, bro? Uh, my future fans in Spider-Man No Way Home news, we know that actor J.B. Smoove is reprising his role as Mr. Dell. So fun fact there. In sad news, actress Olympia Dukakis passed away at the age of 89. She is best known for movies like Moonstruck and Steel Magnolias and In the Land of Women. Her final project, uh, she plays a judge in a movie called Not to Forget. Not to Forget. Let's see if we can learn anything about this. Made for TV, maybe? Christ almighty. All right, so Not to Forget, coming out this year, stars Lou Gossett Jr., Tatum O'Neill, and Cloris Leachman. Yeah, okay, fine. That's a old cast. It's interesting. And my future friends, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week when we were talking about the Oscars, but apparently... Anthony Hopkins wanted to Zoom call in to the Oscars to give his acceptance speech, and the Oscars rejected it. So not only, not only did the Academy purposefully, 100% purposefully lead everyone on to thinking they're going to give a posthumous award to the late, great Chadwick Boseman, but the person who did win, the elderly Anthony Hopkins... Elderly Anthony Hopkins, who shouldn't have been at an award ceremony in the first place because of his age, wanted to zoom in. And they said no, apparently because of the quality of the zoom call would not have been great and not up to the quality that the Oscars is used to. So kind of like A, they purposefully misled everyone. And then B, eh, f this old man, if he didn't want to show up to get his award, then he's not going to be allowed to speak. Thankfully, as we know from last week, Anthony Hopkins is a class act and uh, gave a speech via Instagram and even honored the late, great Chadwick Boseman. Well, my future friends, that's it for the news. Let us jump into our first break as we hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast Network. And we'll be right back with the news. Not the news, the trailers. We'll be right back with the trailers. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we're back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, 
and welcome to the Trailer Troll. Well, our first movie we're going to talk about, uh, I can't actually watch the trailer, but uh, it's something I noticed today and my wife noticed the day before. It's for a movie called The Last Letter from Your Lover, based on a book by Jojo Moyes, who wrote the who wrote the book that the movie Me Before You is based on. So if you know anyone who's a fan of that book or the movie, let them know. Uh, the main two in this are Felicity Jones and Shailene Woodley. And this comes out to Netflix July 23rd. Like I said, I can't watch the trailer because my wife wants me to read the book and she doesn't want anything spoiled for me. And I have until July 23rd to read the book. So there we go. All right. The next trailer we have is for a film called American Trader, The Trial of Axis Sally. And I think the new tr the new title is just Axis Sally, which is really hard to say because it's Axis, like the Axis of Evil, and then Sally. So Axis Sally. It'll be really tough for people in California to say because we love to drop the letters off at the end of our, uh, our words there. Fun fact, uh, I took a speech for theater class in uh, community college and our teacher hated the California accent because he had to teach everyone how to properly and fully say words. And he'd say, oh, what are, you, what are you wearing right now? He's like, oh, we're wearing clothes. He's like, oh, you're wearing clothes like you close the door? No, you're wearing clothes. Though I don't think that part is strictly Californian. I think that's American. Anyway, this is a movie about an American woman named Mildred Gillers who broadcasts a Nazi propaganda message during World War II. She was dubbed Axis Sally by the American GIs who simultaneously loved and hated her. The story plunges the viewer into the dark underbelly of the Third Reich's hate-filled propaganda machine, Sally's eventual capture, and subsequent trial for treason in Washington, D.C. after the war is over. This is based on a true story. And it stars Al Pacino, uh, Meadow Williams, Mitch Pileggi, and uh, a couple other people. But that's who I'm going to mention. Um... I'm torn with movies like this. Uh, the the tra the trailer makes it look interesting, at least, because Al Pacino's in it doing his thing. Not really stretching his wings, just being Al Pacino. And a lot of people like that. Al Pacino is very popular. And uh, yeah, sure, this movie looks okay. Coming out May 28th. All right, my friends, next up, we have a trailer for Luca. Uh, this may even be the final trailer. It, it didn't say final trailer on this thing, but... Uh, it could be just because the movie's coming out June 18th. Oh, actually, no, that's one one more month. We might see one more. This is Disney Pixar's latest film that we've talked about in the news. We've talked about this movie quite a bit because, as you already know from this very episode, they aren't happy that it's coming straight to streaming. Maybe that might change, but as of right now, as of this moment, as of covid being a thing uh, they decided that they are going to put luca straight on streaming on disney plus and i don't even think it's going to be a added cost streaming like they did for mulan like they did for riot last dragon i think it's just going to be a like straight up available because it didn't say anything about a premium uh, it being a premium movie they just said oh coming to streaming this new trailer showed us some of the scenes we've already well, scene, and it showed us a little more. I think this is a really good second trailer or third trailer, whatever trailer this is. It's a really good one because it introduces a couple new things and just shows us the old things in a different order so it looks interesting. I think this looks really good. 
This takes place on the Italian Riviera about two sea monsters uh, who are disguised as when they come out of the ocean, they can disguise as humans and they form a friendship friendship with a girl because they are in love with the land of, of people. And my question is, how are we going to cry? How is Pixar going to get us to cry? Because unless it's a Cars movie, uh, they, they do that to us. They hit us right in the fields. But this Luca's interesting? Uh, no? Okay, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but it looks fun. Uh, I really want to see this. If I can, I'll see it in theaters. I, I think a movie like this, from, from Pixar's standards, from the standards they have set over their years of making movies, we can agree that seeing a film of theirs on the big screen is good. You can still watch it on the small screen. You can still enjoy it on your TV at home. But there's something about that big, magical silver screen. And I would prefer to watch this there. But if I have to watch it on my TV, then I'll do it. If this does come out in theaters, of course, I'll let you know. June 18th, once again, is that date. Oh, and it does feature some voices. Um, Jacob Tremblay. Maya Rudolph, Jim Gaffigan, uh, Jacob Tremblay, just a basic kid. Uh, Maya Rudolph and Jim Gaffigan can do voices. We know that. And it looks like everyone else in the vocal cast I'm not familiar with. So, hey, good job for them that they didn't just shove every famous person they could into this film. All right, my friends. Next up, we have another animated movie. This is... Going to be a Netflix original film. Well, not Netflix original. It's going to be on Netflix. It is the first ever animated musical feature by Sony Pictures Animation. And it features all new songs by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's called Vivo. Um, we just got a very small teaser trailer here. And in this is in this trailer, we just see this old man uh, coming out into this kind of empty square. Uh, it just seems like a city center kind of square. And he has one of those little cart things and then he hooks it up, starts cranking it and plays, he plays a song and you know, the this monkey comes out and it's like a big deal and the monkey's dancing around and uh, the guy's singing. And until I saw this trailer, I forgot those were a thing. I have seen one of these. How many of you have actually seen one of these where it's one of these like carts and you crank it and it makes sound and the monkey comes out, usually taking money from you. Like the monkey wants your money. So you give the money to the monkey and it runs back and gives it to the guy. I forgot they were even a thing. And this movie's coming out. It looks it looks well animated uh, for Sony Picture Animation Studio or whatever they call themselves. First feature musical. It looks fine. It looks just short of Pixar level. So like DreamWorks or maybe even a little less than DreamWorks. So not bad and not mind blowing. It looks solid. It looks good. This uh, has no set release date yet, but it is coming straight to Netflix. So when I know, you know. Finally, we have to talk about this super cut about Marvel, uh, Marvel Phase 4. So if you have seen it, it just starts out with a wonderful quote from Stan Lee talking about, like, look all around you. You're surrounded by brothers and sisters. We're all family, basically. Uh, seeing some of the more touching scenes or family oriented scenes from the Avengers movies. Or not just the Avengers movies, you know, from all of the MCU movies. They were huge dicks and put in the We Are Groot scene. Because because who needs to relive that? I mean, come on. Or that scene from Black Panther where, where T'Challa brings Killmonger up to see, to look at the land of his birth one more time. And just, my God, come on. 
And then they do that super fun thing. Every once in a while, I just love watching this video just to remember what it's like. Not this video in particular, but the one they're referencing where it's uh, someone recorded this in the theater of the moment where Captain America like hears in his ear on your left and then everyone starts coming back. Everyone starts coming back. Uh, We see the Wakandans. Falcon flies in. Everyone returns, and then everyone's standing behind Captain America, and he gets Mjolnir, 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 the hammer, he gets the hammer, and he just says, Avengers, assemble, and the crowd explodes. Look, say what you will about the Marvel movies. Maybe you don't like them. Maybe you don't like these popcorn films. Maybe you don't, you're just not a fan of comic books. Maybe you think they do too many of them, but nothing before in movie history has done that, has brought that kind of energy. I've been in a theater, and you probably have too, where a huge pop happens. We have a character uh, from a long-awaited movie say something that the audience has been waiting for, and everyone goes, yeah, and cheers, and you're like, yeah, that's really cool. But the amount of emotion, the amount of feeling behind it in that scene in Endgame, where Captain America is holding the hammer, everyone's behind him, and he says his famous Avengers Assemble line, and the final battle starts. That pop in the theater was like nothing I have ever heard, and may, I probably will never hear anything like that again. The next phases that Marvel does could be amazing. They could be fantastic, but it's never going to be this level again. It's never going to do this. And I think those of us who can say we were there and witnessed it, I think we witnessed something truly spectacular. But basically what this what this trailer is doing is just showing all these great scenes from the first three phases, basically saying, welcome back to theaters. Theaters are opening up again. And then we start to see some uh, footage from movies that are coming out. We see more from Black Widow. And I stand my ground. Black Widow was one of the most boring characters in the MCU. And they release this damn film. Where was this the whole time? She had the potential to be a bad-ass character. A truly monumental bad-ass character. Going, look, not only am I the lone woman... On this, on this Avengers group initially, now she's no longer, but uh, not only am I the only woman, not only do I not have powers, but I can kick ass and take names. But no, she was kind of boring and forgettable the whole time. And now in this film, with what we're seeing from the Black Widow trailer, this is what we deserved and this is what she deserved the whole time. So we see a lot of uh, scenes that we've seen already, but we... Uh, for Black Widow, but we see a couple more. We see Florence Pugh doing some running and doing some pew, pew, pew. No? No? Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Florence Pugh, I I love Florence Pugh to death. I am very excited to see her in this. We see David Harbour as Red Red Guardian seemingly going up against Taskmaster. It It just looks so good. This looks so good, and I can't wait. Then we start to see some parts from Shang Chi, which still, I'm down. I, I can't wait for this. And martial arts movie, but make it Marvel. I'm down. I, I am down for this. 
Oh, and this whole time it's showing us dates. So Black Widow is July 9th this year. Shang-Chi is going to be on September 3rd. And then we see some uh, some videos from the Eternals, which it doesn't really show us enough. That comes out November 5th. And I think they better start teasing the Eternals more now. I think they need to start doing it now because just like Guardians of the Galaxy, just like the Avengers, the Eternals are not a household name. Besides big comic book nerds, who really knows who the f*** they are? I have to be honest. I was always more of a DC person, so I have no idea who the f*** these people are. I have no idea why I should be excited. I am excited, though, because it's a Marvel movie, but uh, we need to start seeing more of this soon. And then we start to get a super cut of all of the, basically the logos and the names of the movies coming out. And we don't see any scenes from these because we're not ready to release them yet, but we're getting the release dates. Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, March 25th. We have Thor, Love and Thunder, May 6th, 2022. Oh, sorry, the last one was uh, 2022 as well. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, July 8th, 2022. The Marvels, November 11th, 2022. Atman and the Wasp, Quantumania, and that is coming out February 17th, 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, May 5th, 2023. Fantastic Four, officially now. It's official. Fantastic Four, no release date. But there's, but we've known for a while. We have known for a while that Marvel was going to do the Fantastic Four. This has not been a secret from anyone. We know that for a while, uh, one of Hollywood's favorite couples... John Krasinski and Emily Blunt were in talks to be Captain Captain Fantastic, <laughs> Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman. But I, I, I still don't know if they're both in talks or if Emily Blunt has walked away. But what I'm trying to say is that it's not a secret anymore. And now Marvel just wants to get us more pumped because they went, yes, this is definitely happening. Don't don't fear. Here's the four. Here's all you need to know. Look, say what you will about Disney and Marvel. Uh, Disney, very problematic company at times. Marvel, well, they're owned by Disney now, so they can't really separate themselves from that anymore. But it's not for everyone. Let's be honest. But it is for a lot of people because these movies do well. That's why I talk about them on the show so much. If, If we're honest, that's why I talk about them in the news so much because who really cares if I say, oh, this, we have, uh, who are two actors? Um... Amelia Clark and Tom Hiddleston have signed on for a movie with such and such director. No one really f-ing cares. Even if the movie is eventually going to be some Oscar winning film, it, it doesn't have the hype because it's hard to it's hard to talk about a story like that and go, yeah, are you excited? Like I'm excited? No, not really, because there's nothing behind it. While with these movies, with all of the Marvel stuff, even with some of the DC stuff, even uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, things that already have a big fan base, no matter how toxic the fan base may be, there's something to get excited for because we we already know so much about the world. I'm very excited, very, very excited to see where they go with this and also very excited to see if they're ever going to do a new Captain America movie or if they're going to work the new Captain America into stuff coming out in the future. Because, come on, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that was dope, all right? Well, my future friends, that was it for the trailers. Not a lot to talk about in the trailer trove, but let us take a break, hear a word from our friends, 
at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and we'll be right back with the movies coming out this week. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, (laughs) the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that goddamn jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, welcome back to the limited release section. That's right. Since the show is 100% back to normal, we are doing that limited release section again. As a reminder, this section is for those movies that are coming out during this week, usually um, almost always in theaters or non-major streaming video on demand which means it's not going to hit Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Max. It's going to hit it's going to come out and you're going to have to actually rent this or any movie that's not getting a nationwide wide release that I didn't think looked interesting. So let's start with Initiation. This is a limited theatrical release and video on demand. This is about Wetton University unravels the night a star athlete is murdered kicking off a spree of social media slayings that force students to uncover the truth behind the school's hidden secrets and the horrifying meaning of an exclamation point. So it's a slasher. This stars Froy Gutierrez from Cool Summer, Lachlan Monroe from Riverdale, Yancey Butler from Hard Target, John Huerta from This Is Us, Gatlin, Gatlin Griffin, I think, from Changeling, and Isabella Gomez from One Day at a Time. Oh, and by the way, I am sorry this episode was late. I know, first episode back and it's late, but I got together with some friends over Zoom and we played Dungeons and Dragons last night and it was a lot of fun. Uh, for some of them, it was their first ever game and so it took some getting getting used to and I've never used a service before called Roll20 and it was very fun. I, I had a lot of fun and I think that I'm going to try to get a game together with some of my friends who no longer live around here because we used to play games like D&D, Pathfinder, Mutants and Masterminds, uh, Dark Heresy. And I think even before COVID, it was easy to play online. But now more people are discovering it. It's becoming even easier. So yay. So that's why it was Dungeons and Dragons, which kept me from releasing this on time. Next up in the limited release section is The Columnist. This is a video on demand. Columnist and author Femke is flooded with anonymous nasty messages and death threats on social media. One day she has had enough and decides to take revenge. This is a movie from the Netherlands and stars Katja Herbers from Westworld. The only thing I like about this is it's a fun premise. The idea that a lot of these hateful trolls that just sit behind their computer or phone screens and just spew this awfulness getting killed sounds really fun because it is ridiculous out there. Um, like I said, my last episode, I was thinking about going to TikTok, but it's just such a, for as great as it is, and there are a lot of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful creators there. It's a toxic, toxic place because this guy I really admire are two people I really admire, uh, Straw Hat Goofy and Jay Stubes, were talking about the 
the like what everything represents in the Falcon and Winter Soldier and how John Walker represents the poster child for the right wing. All lives matter. Let's support the cops kind of mentality. And that got them so much hate and death threats and like their kid, their children were being threatened. It's like, really? It's just disgusting. There should be repercussions for this. Because it's not just freedom of speech when you're attacking someone like that. That that That's a little different when you go to death threats and threatening someone's kids. Next up is Locked In, a limited release theatrical movie. A single mother must protect her daughter and herself during a heist gone wrong at a high-tech storage facility. This stars Mina Suvari from American Beauty and Jeff Fahey from Lawnmower Man. And hey, do you want to feel old? That girl from American Beauty, you know, the blonde a friend of Thora Birch's character. Yeah, she is believably a mother in this movie. Next up is Ghostmaster, a.k.a. Ghosto Mastua. <laughs> I love that so much. A discriminated assistant director decides to remake a brand new love movie. But the... How is that brand new if it's remade? Okay, anyway. But the contingently rewritten script awakens real ghosts which possess the actor and causes death of field personnel. This is a movie from Japan if Gosto Mastua didn't make you realize that this is a Japanese movie. Remember, I am half Japanese, so that offensive accent wasn't really that offensive. It's just half offensive. I wanted to like this movie. I wanted to put it in the next section because I love Japanese horror, but nah. Next up is a movie called Silo. This is a limited theatrical release, and it's a low-key secret fear of mine. Disaster strikes when teenager Cody becomes the victim of a grain entrapment accident. This stars Jeremy Holm from House of Cards, Jim Perrick from Suicide Squad, and Chris Ellis from Armageddon. So growing up, my dad was the closest thing that California has to Hicks, and he grew up in a poor rural farming community, and he knew a lot of this stuff, and he knew that, especially flaxseed, but a lot of grain was very dangerous to work with, because if you fell in the silo with flaxseed, apparently you'll just fall all the way to the bottom, and you'll be dead before anyone could save you, which is terrifying. But this movie is about this kid that falls in. Luckily for him, it's not flax, but he's slowly moving down, which means that there's all this pressure on him. And yeah, one of my fears, even though I'm never, ever going up into a silo, doesn't mean it has to be a logical fear. Fun fact. And the final limited release of this episode is called Above Suspicion. This is the story that led to the first conviction for murder of an FBI agent. This stars Jack Houston from Ben-Hur, Amelia Clark from Solo, A Star Wars Story, Johnny Knoxville from Dukes of Hazard, Sophie Lowe from Blow the Man Down, Thora Birch, who we were just talking about from American Beauty, Carl Glussman from The Neon Demon, Kevin Dunn from Dave, and Omar Benson Miller from Ballers. And that's a good cast. I really wanted to like this, but it just, it, it feels like the movie Amelia Clark is doing between bigger projects just to make some money. And it just seems like something that Johnny Knoxville is like, oh, you want me in this? Sure, I'll do this. It just looks ultimately forgettable. All right, my future friends, let us actually do a couple of the wide releases and in interesting indies, and then we'll take our break because this is a short, limited section. So it's time for that wonderful, wonderful section, wide releases and in interesting indies, where, where, remember, I will talk about the films, and then I'll give them a score based on my, my assessment of the trailer. Because remember, I don't see these movies before you. Uh, I mean, I may, but I don't get any special access. I, I, see, I can see them when they come out in theaters. Um... I've tried to work on that, though. I, I, I try, but nope, I am not important enough to get uh, early access. 
So let's start with the first in this section, which is a limited release movie called Mainstream. In this cautionary tale, three people struggle to preserve their identities as they form an eccentric love triangle within the fast-moving internet age. This stars Maya Hawke from Stranger Things, Andrew Garfield from Hacksaw Ridge, Nat Wolf from The Stand, and featuring YouTube personalities Patrick Starr and the waste of good, fresh air Jake Paul. And to be fair, I always get the two Paul brothers con- con- uh, confused because I don't give a flying shit about any of them. I know one of them is a bigger asshole than the other, that one's kind of just an idiot and the other is like actively being accused of sexual assault right now. And I think that's Jake Paul. Because Logan Paul, I think, was the one that was just in WrestleMania, who's just kind of an idiot. And normally having someone like Jake Paul in this would 100% make me not want to see it. But this looks really interesting because it's, this kind of seems like it's loosely based on on Shane Dawson's Vlog Squad and Jake Paul's asshole house or whatever it was called. You know, the house they had where they had a bunch of like YouTube personalities living together, being idiots and shit. So it kind of looks like it's commentary on that, because in this movie, we have Andrew Garfield, Maya Hawke, and Nat Wolf playing members of a group of very famous YouTubers, and how things start to slowly go downhill, because Andrew Garfield seems like this really nice and approachable guy in the videos, but he's like this huge manipulative asshole, which with all this news coming out about Shane Dawson, is it Shane Dawson? I think it is. It kind of seems like going to a him sort of route or maybe even a Jake Paul and Jake Paul's just not smart enough to understand it was about kind of about him. I don't know. Either way, this looks very interesting because it looks like it has some very good performances from some good actors. And it seems like it's commentary on very, very current affairs. But let's be honest here. This looks like the kind of movie I wouldn't purposefully watch. It does look interesting. If it was on somewhere, I wouldn't turn it off. If I saw it in a bargain bin somewhere like at Walmart or saw it at the Dollar Tree, I would 100% buy it and watch it, but nothing I would go out of my way for. So let's say that Mainstream gets a 6 out of 11. All right, my friends, next up we have the first of two documentaries. This one is called The Boy from Medellin. It's an Amazon original documentary, and it's about Colombian reggaeton singer J Balvin, who prepares for his 2019 homecoming concert amid intense political turmoil in Matthew Heinemann's latest documentary. Oh, I didn't realize that, so it's one of those. So if you know me, you know there's certain things that bother me about movies. You know that I don't like it when a movie tries to boast it's about some visionary director, but who the f*** is this person? They've done like two things. Like, I don't care if they won some like new image award in their first movie. Don't try to sell me on a name if that name is not super well known. Okay, let's see what Matthew Heinemann has done. All right, uh, documentary short, Overcoming the Storm, Our Time, Escape Fire, The Fight to Rescue American Healthcare, Cartel Land, which I've actually heard of, The Third Man, City of Ghosts, I've heard of those, A Private War, there's that movie from 2018 with Rosamund Pike about Marie Colvin, I think was her name. Um a TV miniseries documentary called The Trade, and then that's it until his current stuff. So don't you dare try and sell me that, oh, in Matthew Heinemann's new movie. Who gives a flying f***? I bet you that he has done some good stuff. A Private War looked looked good. A City of Ghosts looked good. Cartel Land looked good. I'm not saying he's not good. 
What I am saying is that who is he that you're trying to sell a movie with his name? But let's actually talk about the boy from Medellin. It looks interesting. I've never heard of this guy. All right, I listened to a couple of his songs, and you know what? I like it. I like him. He. It sounds good. I have no idea what they're saying because I don't speak Spanish, but it, it sounds good. And with music, that is a very important part. You know, it's not the only thing because the lyrics do matter. Just look at Sweet Home Alabama and how it's still, like right now, people are still talking about it. Like, is it really this racist anthem? Or was it Leonard Skinner going, hey, Neil Young, you attacked the South as a whole in your song. We're not all like that, but we still don't like uh, Governor Wallace for his, um, you know, segregation stance. But for this documentary, it's less about any particular song. It's more about this homecoming concert in Columbia. While Columbia is in the middle of a lot of turmoil and it's about... It's about Jay Balvin and how what he thinks he can do about it. Should he just do the concert? Should he take part? Should he try to help out his fellow countrymen? Or should he try and help them out by just doing the show? Uh, it looks very interesting. And I think if I was familiar with him before this came out, I might have scored it a higher. But right now, this gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends. Next up is another documentary, the last one of the week, called The Human Factor. I've heard two different things about this. I heard one, it's getting a nationwide release. The other is that it's getting a limited release. So I don't know which one is going to be. I doubt it's truly nationwide, especially now, because for a for a documentary to get to get nationwide release, that usually doesn't happen right away. It has to come out with limited releases, make some sort of big splash and then get a wider release. But we'll see. Uh, The Human Factor, you may remember I talked about this on the show. This is about the epic behind-the-scenes story of the United States' 30-year effort to secure peace in the Middle East, recounted from the unique perspective of the American mediators on the front lines. And if I remember right, this deals with the mediators from Bush 1 to maybe they touch on on, uh, Trump's guy. I don't know. So basically, it's going to cover Republican and Democrat administrations. And it's also going to tackle the idea on why this is such a hard thing on why we can't just go, okay, Hey, Hey, I have an idea. Let's do this. And everyone's like, yay, there's peace. Now I wasn't in Bruno. Yes. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's movie, Bruno, that he kind of lampoons this in a way where he or ha- Bruno pretends that, Oh, this is simple. Let's just, let's just fix it like this. Yay. We fixed it. We brought peace. And to me, that kind of poked fun at America's stance on peace in the Middle East, where it's it's really not that easy. And you know me and you know my stance on documentaries. I like documentaries a lot, but it's very, very specific for each person. It's not like a a fiction movie where maybe you could step outside your comfort zone and watch something and enjoy it. Documentaries are very specific. Like if you don't give a shit about animals, you're not going to want to watch anything David Attenborough does. You know what I'm saying? And no matter how well this is done or how well the boy from Medellin is done, if you don't care about the topics, it's not going to matter to you. I find this a little interesting, not interesting enough to seek out But just like I said about mainstream, the kind of movie that if I get the chance, sure, I'll watch it. The Human Factor also gets a 7 out of 11. You know what? Now's a great time for a break. So let's take our next break as we hear a word from... Okay, let's see. Whose turn is it? Uh, We're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I skipped one of the somewhat nerdy things. But we'll go back to normal next week. 
So let's hear a word from our friends that we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. Welcome back to the show, my future friends. Let's return to the wide releases and interesting indies with a film called 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. This is a video on demand movie coming out this week. Well, of course, they're they're all coming out this week. Let's be honest. This This paranormal comedy follows a hopelessly millennial reporter on the most important assignment of his career, Bigfoot. And after following a prominent cryptozoologist into the Appalachian foothills, he's forced to answer a question. Is a good story worth dying for? Uh, This stars no one of note, but it seems to me kind of like something along the lines of American Vandal. Like, who the f*** were any of those people before American Vandal? And I don't think anyone from that that series did anything big since. I, I know one of them was in Tall Girl on Netflix, which sucked, but... We, we kind of know them now. If you watched American Vandal, you know them. And I think this is one of those movies where, where you'll watch it and you'll probably enjoy it. It looks goofy. It looks funny. It looks like a spoof on uh, like this, this, the Learning Channel, Discovery Channel kind of Bigfoot documentary shows, quote unquote documentaries. It looks like one of those hidden gems, which looks like it's very easy to skip. And not to toot my own horn here, but how many of you, if it wasn't for me, because of my purposeful searching of these films, would have even known this existed. So so this looks fun, like it could possibly be a, a good indie comedy film. But again, it didn't really grab me by the collar and shake me and say, watch me now, damn it. It just looks fun. 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot, number one will blow your mind, gets a, let's see, seven. That's a good number, seven out of 11. Next up, my friends, we have a movie called Paper Spiders. This is coming out on video on demand. This is a bittersweet story about coming of age in the shadow of mental illness. This stars Lily Taylor from The Conjuring, Stephania Lavi Owens from Krampus, Ian Nelson from The Judge, and Peyton List from Cobra Kai. I, I'm not sure if I talked about this before in the trailer trove, because I remember seeing the trailer for this, and I didn't know if, if it was going to be big enough to warrant talking about there. But this is about a mother and daughter, and Lily Taylor, of course, plays a mother, and she's starting to she's starting to lose it. She has something like paranoid schizophrenia, or or something's going on in her head, and slowly it starts to get worse and worse. And her daughter, who is coming of age, and how it's going to be difficult for her, especially because when when you come of age. It's not an easy time because you're figuring a lot of stuff out. You're figuring your body out, your life out. You have to start thinking about what you want to do, what your future is going to look like. And then having to take care of your mom who has these special needs, that seems very, very difficult. So this is one of those movies where I don't think it can end well, at least not if it's a realistic movie. If it's a realistic movie, it's going to end at the very least, very least, bitter, bittersweet, like 85% dark chocolate bittersweet. But I can't help but feel that this is a very familiar story. 
For the life of me, I can't think of one off the top of my head, and that's one of my downfalls of a movie buff. I don't have the knowledge a lot of people do. I love movies, and I can't talk about them for so long. But like other movie buffs, I can't just pop something out of my head and go, oh yeah, this movie's made in 1985, and it starred so-and-so and so-and-so, and it was directed by this guy who also did this. I can't do that. It makes me sad that I can't do that, that I don't have that kind of mind, but... That's the way it is, so I know this movie reminds me of something. And since I can't remember what that movie is, it's hard for me to say if I think this movie will do something different than the other ones did. That being said, it still looks like a fine movie. But also a movie that, hey, if you miss it, I don't think you're going to be missing out. Paper Spiders gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright, let's see, my friends. Next up, we have the first and only... No, uh, the first of two nationwide releases this week. This one isn't the pick of the week. And I thought it was going to be. I really did because it's it it has me written all over it. This movie is called Wrath of Man. The plot follows H, a cold and mysterious character working at a cash truck company responsible for moving hundreds of millions of dollars around Los Angeles each week. This stars Jason Satham from The Meg, Holt McCalney from The Losers, Rocky Williams from Angel Has Fallen, Josh Hartnett from The Faculty, Jeffrey Donovan from Burn Notice, Scott Eastwood from The Fate of the Furious, Andy Garcia from Ocean's Eleven, and Diobia Opari from Game of Thrones. So this is Guy Ritchie's newest film. Yes, Guy Ritchie. You know him. You know him from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Sherlock Holmes, Rock and Rolla. Good films. Guy Ritchie also is one of those directors a, that you can slap their name on something, go with the Guy Ritchie film, and you'll know. You'll know what they mean, because you know what his style is. If you don't think you know what his style is, watch Sherlock Holmes. Watch the 2009 Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., and you will know. You will know because it just reeks of Guy Ritchie. And Guy Ritchie is one of those directors that you know your relationship with them. You know if, you, if you're going to like it or not, or if there's even, even going to be a chance if you like it. Some people should stay the f*** away from Christopher Nolan films. Some people should stay the f*** away from Steven Spielberg films, so on and so forth. That's the way it goes. Because certain directors like this, or like J.J. Abrams is another one, that they have such a specific style, maybe not unique, but spe- a specific style, where you can go, yes, I am familiar, I can spot this director's style, but I don't like it. I happen to like it. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, fantastic film. Snatch, great film. Apparently, they did a TV series, a Snatch TV series uh, back in 2017. I don't remember that. Uh, I never saw The Gentleman. I didn't see Aladdin. Oh, though, he did the screenplay. He didn't write, he didn't direct it, did he? He did. He did direct Aladdin. I did not know that, but it is directed by Guy Ritchie. It stars Jason Statham. That should tell you everything you need to know. And for me, this means I'm going to like it because Jason Statham is a fantastic action star. And I do think he has slept on because even though he has, he was popular, that popularity has kind of declined and that is criminal. That's very, very criminal. Because you remember when the Transporter series was coming out, you remember when he was the big sh- You remember when War came out and that was a big deal because it was Jet Li and Jason Statham, even though they had already crossed over once before in The One, I think it was The One that had uh, Jason Statham in it. But this 
Looks like it's right up my alley. Uh, I may have even seen this in theaters if I felt safer right now, but uh, for now I'm going to have to wait till it comes out either on streaming or just to buy it. Wrath of Man gets an 8 out of 11. All right, friends, we have two movies left before we get to the duel pick of the week that's right dual pick of the week this week normally i don't do that but um i'm just very excited about two particular films but everything from here out looks really good first we have the Waterman. that's a limited release this is about a boy that sets on a quest to save his ill mother by searching for a mythic figure said to have magical healing powers this stars and in imdb order maria bello from lights out Rosario Dawson from Rent, Lonnie Chavis from This Is Us, Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2, David Oyelowo from Gringo, and um, Amiha Miller from War for the Planet of the Apes. And fun fact, this was directed by David Oyelowo too. So this movie looks really fun, really special. This is hardcore magical realism because we have this kid who, it looks like they're living in the real world. It looks like they are. His mom is sick. And it doesn't look good for her. So he's like, oh, I I want to try and do something. He meets this girl who tells her about the legend of this guy called the Waterman. What I liked about this is that it it seems so obvious that this could never happen. Because we have this kid walking around town with a samurai sword coming out of his backpack on a mission to find some mythical, uh, mythical old man who is said to have healing powers for his mom, but everything looks so, it feels weird to say purposeful, but at least in a few of the scenes I saw, it looks like they use a lot of the things you would see in the tougher parts of town, like a lot of graffiti and just underdeveloped areas within an urban setting. They use that to give it this, this magical realism feeling. And then they go out into the woods with the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And it just seems like a, a very beautifully done movie, as well as a very familiar. But even though the idea is familiar, it seems like they present it in a unique way. Because this does feel like When a Monster Calls. It does feel like I Kill Giants. It feels like movies like that. But it doesn't feel like it's straight up stealing anything. This this feels very unique even though it's a familiar story. And that's what we need, because how many truly, truly original ideas are out there anymore? I think most movies that come out, you can find something a lot like it, but what makes it special is when they make it their own. Because When a Monster Calls dealt more with the grief, and the monster was a physical representation of that, or the impending doom, we have I Kill Giants, which deals with the mental part of this, like this kid trying to cope with a sick parent. You can argue that with When a Monster Calls, or just A Monster Calls, I mean, you can argue with that one that it too is that same thing of dealing with the mental part, but I think that we have A Monster Calls deals heavier with the grief. We have I Kill Giants dealing heavier with the mental aspect, and this movie looks like it's kind of tinkering in the middle where it can feel lighthearted and trick you into thinking that it is going to be lighthearted, but it's probably not. It's probably going to be pretty sad. I want to see this movie a lot. I really, really want to see this. And this is David Oyelowo's 
directorial debut. He did something back in 2009, a short movie called Big Guy. Let's see if we can see anything about that. Uh, wow, Josh Gad, Kate Mara, Alfred Molina. That's pretty damn good. I actually kind of want to watch this. But anyway, this is his feature-length film directorial debut. We know him from movies and TV. But now I'm excited for his vision for this. The Waterman looks really good. It almost made it in the pick of the week, too. But there were just two other films I've been excited for for longer than this. And I think that's really what set the others apart from this, is that I've had longer to get hyped. The Waterman looks like it's going to be really good, and I can't wait. The Waterman gets a 9 out of 11. All right, the final movie that's not a pick of the week is a Netflix original movie called Monster. A smart, likable 17-year-old film student from Harlem sees his world turned upside down when he's charged with murder. We follow his dramatic journey through the complex legal system, and this is based on a book by Walter Dean Myers. This stars Kelvin Harrison Jr. from Loose, Jennifer Ale from Zero Dark Thirty, Tim Blake Nelson from Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Nasir Nas Jones from Belly, Rakim Aesop Rocky, Mayers, am I... Am I is, does that make me sound super white? It does, right? Okay, not just me. From Dope, Paul Ben Victor from Tombstone, John David Washington from Black Klansman, Jennifer Hudson from Dreamgirls, Jeffrey Wright from The Goldfinch, Jarrell Jerome from Mr. Mercedes, Mikey Madison from Better Things, Alejandro Hernandez from New Amsterdam, Johnny Coyon from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And goddamn if that's not a cast. Oh my god. Tim Blake Nelson, fantastic. John David Washington, the new hotness. He's one of my new favorite actors. I, I think he's amazing. Then we have Jennifer Hudson and Jeffrey Wright. This is a good cast. So this is a story that needs to be told. Uh, I don't think this one is based on any particular story, but unfortunately it's based on so many other stories that have happened. Last year I read this book I really, really liked. It's called Punching the Air. It's by E.B. Zaboy and Yusuf Salam. And Yusuf Salam is of, from the Exonerated Five. You know, originally the Central Park Five. And it turns out, oh, guess what? They're super innocent. And you threw them, and they were thrown in jail probably just because they're black. In fact, let's just take the word probably out of this. They were thrown in jail for being black. For being black and existing in the same area of a crime. And so... Yusuf Salam and E.B. Zaboy get together. Yusuf Salam is a poet. He also works at the Innocent Project. And E.B. Zaboy is a poet and writer. And they wrote this story told in verse based on Yusuf Salam's story of being wrongfully accused and thrown in jail. And that story sounds a lot like this one. And I'm not going to talk about how this is a story that's been done before because Yes, it's been done before, and it needs to be done again and again and again. Stories like this need to be told and retold, written and rewritten, reshared, because stuff like this still happens. People get arrested and thrown in jail for the color of their skin. It's like that famous Family Guy joke when Peter gets pulled over and the cop pulls out this skin this uh, skin color card of like of like innocent and guilty. I say it was a Family Guy joke, but it's really not a joke. It happens. There's not literally a card, of course, but shit like that happens. So we need movies like Monster to just try to try to spread awareness of stories like this. 
and to help those this is happening to. But it's not enough to tell a story like this through a movie. You also need to do it well. Because let's face it, if the movie sucks, if it gets poor reviews, if anything like that happens, it's going to limit who's going to see it. And if the movie is good, if it's a good quality movie, if it looks like, or if it's a film that you remember, it's going to stick with you more. So this is not going to be an easy film to watch, and it should not be an easy film to watch. This should be hard to watch, because we should feel outraged that the stuff like this happens. We should feel outraged that right now this has happened, it is happening, and it is going to happen. Why isn't this the pick of the week? Honestly, because when I pick, do the pick of the week, I try to focus on the movie. Because as a form of art, as a form of entertainment, uh, the next two films I am more excited for. As far as a message, this is the most important movie of the week, if not one of the most important movies of the year. Monster looks good. It does. It has the added benefit of being important, of having an important story to tell. It has the benefit of having a cast that could help tell that story. This looks good. I will watch this. And I will tell you that Monster also gets a 9 out of 11. All right, my future friends, it's time for the pick of the week. Oh, that's where my usual break goes, doesn't it? That's where the last break usually goes, is right there. It's been so long since I've had a regular show, I forgot this. Oh, wow. Okay, well, let's just jump right into the pick of the week. Two films, dual picks. One is a limited theaters and video on demand. The other is another one of those nationwide question mark ones. So let's start with The Paper Tigers coming to limited theater releases and video on demand. Three kung fu prodigies have grown into washed-up middle-aged men, now one kick away from pulling their hamstrings. But when their master is murdered, they must juggle their dead-end jobs, dad duties, and old grudges to avenge his death. This stars Alain Alain Uy from Hellstorm, Mikhail Shannon Jenkins from The Bold and the Beautiful, and Ron Yuan from Mulan. I love crowdfunding stuff. I do. Because there's some goofy shit out there. I've kickstarted some stuff that was just stupid stuff that I I kickstarted it. I got it. It was fun for a little bit. And then just like a toddler, I was just like, nah, I'm I'm over this. I am bored now. And some other stuff that's been great. Like um, Unstable Unicorns, uh, a card game that I thought was very fun. It has a couple expansions now. And I've done one movie, and I'm ashamed to admit I never watched that movie because the creator sent it to me, and I lost it. And I was 100% to talk about it on the show, going, oh, here I am reviewing a movie that I helped kickstart. Oh, look at me. Look how wonderful I am. But if I had seen this, if I had seen it, I 100% would have jumped on the Kickstarter or Indiegogo or whatever it was, because I think this looks really good. The trailer looks It looks like they made the best movie they possibly could with what they got. And while that kind of sounds like an elitist thing to say, you have to admit that more money can lead to a better project. Not that the money itself does it, but when you give the right people more funds to work with, they can do more with it. Because money alone, of course, doesn't make a movie. We've seen awful, awful blockbusters where they dumped millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars into it, and it just shits the bed. 
So obviously money alone doesn't do it, but when you have something that works, when you have everything come together and you have a good story, good actors do it, the director has a good vision, the producer does their thing, it works. And I think this is one of those films. So I think they did what what looks like the best job they could with what they had, and that is really damn good. So let's talk about the fact that it's a kung fu film. Yeah, kung fu films are dope. Let's add the fact that we have a trope from kung fu and martial arts movies in general that are very familiar. Someone's master gets killed, they have to avenge the master. We've seen this a million times. Let's add on to it that these kung fu disciples are now old men who probably haven't trained in decades but feel the call that, hey, their master, someone they really looked up to and cared about, got f***ed over and got killed. So they have to do something. So they start training again and realizing we're really old. This is really hard for us to do. So it's an action comedy with a bit of drama thrown in the mix, and it looks so, so good. This may be the first movie that I pay for and stream because i've never done that before there have been a couple times I, we rented something on amazon my wife and i but it's a movie that we couldn't find anywhere else something that's been out for a while so this will be the first time i've done it for this and i am very excited because this film looks so self-aware not so self-aware that they're trying to break the fourth wall and kind of give a nod to the audience but they know what they are and what they are is a promising movie based on an old idea with a new spin done only because enough people believed in the project. And I think that's what helps a movie like this is we have all these people who believe in the project because for some of these people, and I'm guessing the main actors too, and the writer director, uh, Kwok Bao Chan, and I'm very sorry if I said that wrong, but for them, this wasn't just another job. This was something they really wanted to do, and I think it shows. The Paper Tigers looks like a quality movie, the perfect hit that you could watch, that you can share with people, go, hey, I guarantee you you have not heard about this film, but I guarantee you you will enjoy it. The Paper Tigers gets a 10 out of 11. Try my future friends who picked a good week to come back. Let's wrap this up with the last movie, which is called Here Today. This is the one that I've heard both ways. One that's getting a nationwide release, the other that it's being limited. So if you can't find this, uh, that's why. Because, um, because it wasn't actually nationwide. This is about veteran comedy writer Charlie Burns, who meets New York street singer Emma Page. They form an unlikely and hilarious and touching friendship that kicks a generation gap aside and redefines the meaning of love and trust. This stars Billy Crystal from City Slickers and Tiffany Haddish from Like a Boss. That's right, I just talked about this movie, didn't I? One or two episodes ago? Two? Two episodes ago? Three maybe? Not more than three. But this is the one that was, I believe, written and directed or just directed by Billy Crystal. Let's see. Let's look it up here today. Yes, written and directed by Billy Crystal. And I love Billy Crystal so much. I, I love him so much. He is a true national treasure. And I just read a review from a uh, user on IMDb who gave it six out of ten stars, but they seem to like it, which I, I, I understand that. I understand giving something you enjoy that kind of score. But at the same time, when I see six out of ten, I'm like, uh, really? 
Is that really good? But it is, right? Because it's above the halfway mark. If it's at least on the on the upper side of half, then it's it's a good score, right? But I think this review by Youper365 is really good. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but they say that this uh, the film has a comedy troupe that has writers and performers working with a live sketch television show like SNL. Charlie is suffering with dementia on set, having trouble remembering names, including the names of his own kids. And he's currently writing a memoir of his deceased wife. And that story is told in flashbacks, but he's having trouble remembering it. So that's the... That's where I think it's going to just hit you right in the feels, because this feels like a movie that is is going to be the definition of a dramedy. So we have this guy who's aging and he just needs help. And then we have Emma Page, played by Haddish, coming up, is going to be that person to help him. A movie like this is exactly what you expect. It's not going to come at you with anything outside of the wheelhouse of a dramatic comedy. And if you know Billy Crystal, you know his style and you know that he will work with Tiffany Haddish's style, too. But it's he's going to try and make it work with his own style as much as he can. So if you're not a fan of Tiffany Haddish, I don't think you should necessarily avoid this. I think that if you're not a fan of Billy Crystal, then you should avoid this because this is throwing through a Billy Crystal film. I think it looks like it's going to be funny, not the funniest movie you've ever seen, but but one of those films that give you quite a few soft chuckles and then breaks your heart. That's exactly why I think it's going to happen. I am very, very excited for this film because here today also gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, normally we would do the question of the week, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start looking back towards my old questions and trying to make a list just to see what I have done, what I haven't done, uh, What's been a while since I've asked something, because if I asked something three years ago, maybe I'll ask it again. Who knows? So the question of the week will not return quite yet. But if you have an idea for one, always let me know. So my future friends, that is it for episode 201, Paper Memories. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And just always contact me. Do you have questions or comments? Let me know. But it is time for that closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>